Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me again. Paul Gray here. I had a uh, different topic that I was going to discuss this time, but stuff happens, doesn't it? This past week on three consecutive days, my wife and I and our family lost a very close relative, a son of our very close friends, and one of my closest friends. First, my wife Kitsy's sister described it this way. She said it was a long goodbye and saying goodbye to her husband. Kirk Hagen was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was a tremendous businessman. He headed up one of America's largest banks in England for several years. He owned a, a trucking company. He got a MBA from Horton School of Business. He was a delightful guy, great sense of humor. He was a track All-American at the University of Kansas. He was a great dad and husband and grandfather, great friend. And he had declining health in recent years. And one day early last week, he returned to the glorious face-to-face presence of Jesus, Papa, and Grace to be forever with them. The very next day, the son of a couple of our really close friends, after a long, painful, horrific bout with cancer, also returned to the glorious face-to-face presence of Jesus, Papa, and Grace to be forever with them. I didn't know this man, but I knew a lot about him from his parents. Then, the very next day, after only being diagnosed for two weeks, one of my closest friends, who was actually my best friend for a several-year period of time before he moved away, He was one of the 15 adults with us who started our church in September of 1991. He died two weeks after being diagnosed with leukemia, suddenly, very suddenly. He also returned to the glorious face-to-face presence of Jesus, Papa, and the Holy Spirit to be forever with them. He was just a great guy, had a servant's heart, was beloved by his kids and his grandkids and his co-workers. He was a great musician, really good friend to me. Now, I didn't make up that phrase, return to the glorious face-to-face presence of Jesus, Papa, and grace to be forever with them. I didn't make it up. I'm going to show you where it comes from. Well, that happened three days in a row last week, and throw that in with right in the middle of that, my daughter and I had some very adverse reactions to COVID vaccinations. We also had just regular life challenges, and then my computer died. My tech computer that I do my videos and recordings on died, a sudden death that was very painful to me. My good friend, J.L. Gray, who's no relation, but We kid about being twin brothers. He's 6'5 and weighs a lot more than I do. I'm 5'5 or a little less and weigh a lot less than he does. But we joke about being twin brothers. 
I have the kind of friendship with him that I would get together with him and tell him about this very bad, horrible, awful week that I had. And he'd say, well, it could have been worse. And I'd say, yeah, I know it could have happened to you. And then we'd both laugh. Well, my computer died. So I get a new computer. I pay extra to have it shipped in overnight. It comes not overnight, but two days later. I have a friend who does this for a living, and he set up my computer and everything so I could do my recording stuff. Everything worked fine, uh, except for the camera, which didn't work at all. That was um, a bit of a disappointment, since that's what I need the computer for. So then on the day that he couldn't get it to work, I spent more than half a day, several hours online, getting transferred to different technical help people, wonderful people. Unfortunately, I couldn't understand their version of English, and I kept getting cut off. And then finally did get to someone who tried to uh, fix my computer online remotely, and they finally said, "Uh, uh, you got a bad camera. You're going to have to send yours in. We'll repair it. It'll be two weeks before you can get another one. Well, I decided after I agreed to that, that wasn't a good decision on my part. So I, rather than go through all the phone calls again, I found an email to them. I emailed them and uh, I was very nice, uh, but I said, look, that's not acceptable. I either want my money back now or I want a new computer right away. And they wrote me back and said, you know, we are really sorry. We will send you a new computer. and You just can't get it the next day, but in a few days. So I said, okay. Now I'm telling you all of that Because a lot of us, a lot of you are listening to me, we're friends, you know, and friends want to know what their friends are experiencing, good or bad. Real friends want to know, want to care and want to help you because they love you. I'm not telling you that this morning because I'm in need right now. I'm good. I'm I'm really good. Of course, a few days have passed since that happened. (laughs) But my point is to tell you how God helped me through that and in that and helps us all in our times of need. Sometimes he does it directly. Sometimes he does it through other people with Christ living as them. Steve McVeigh, who many of you listen to, has been very influential in my grace walk, uh, has been teaching all through February about loving other people. Great teaching. And I also started reading another wonderful book by Bob Goff called Everybody Always. Highly recommend that. And they both talked about just loving people and just being there with them, listening and loving, especially not judging or trying to tell them what they need to do to get through something. So my purpose this morning is not to tell you, any of you, what to do when stuff hits the fan, but it will hit the fan. My stuff is just to tell you how God helps us. One of the things that both of them also talked about in relating to people, especially hard to love people, which is every one of us at times, especially when we're having a terrible, horrible, very bad day and all we want to do is go to Australia, as the kids book says, we need to remember that there's a reason why we do what we do. There's a reason why other people do what we do. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a reason. That reason, however, is not an excuse. For example, I might not be as attentive to other people's needs when I'm having a bad day, but that's not an excuse for me to be rude or nasty or unloving. Sometimes because of stuff going on in in our life currently or because of things that have happened in the past, there's a reason why we might continue to make harmful decisions, but that reason is not an excuse. We have a choice, don't we? And we have a best friend, capital F, 
who is not only with us during the stuff that's going on, but who lovingly empowers us to go through those times in much better ways than we ever could by ourselves. With my brother-in-law passing, the comfort and the listening was done online and on the phone because the families scattered all over the country from coast to coast. On Wednesday, a friend of mine and I went to spend some time in person with our dear friends whose son died earlier that morning after a long battle with melanoma. And he he'd already had a double lung transplant a few years ago. And primarily, we were just there with them, like we are every Wednesday together in the presence of Jesus, Papa, and Grace in a very special way where two or more people are gathered. And we were encouraged by the Passion Translation of Psalm 23. We're not exactly sure when David wrote that, but my friend Malcolm Smith, who's almost old enough to have been there with King David, not really, he's researched it a lot. And he believes that King David was hiding out in a cave with a few of his loyal friends. He was hiding out because he had had a terrible, awful, very bad week. See, see if you've ever had a week like this. He was the king of the world's superpower at the time. I mean, he, he had everything, everything he wanted. And his son took over the throne, ran him out. He went to hiding because his son was looking for him with the army of Israel and wanted to kill him. That would be a bad week, wouldn't it? So King David had had a very bad week. He most likely wrote Psalms 22, 23, and 24 during that time. We're going to be encouraged by Psalm 22 and 23 today. Psalm 22 is the Messianic Psalm. David most likely didn't realize it at the time, but he was actually writing about what would happen with Jesus' crucifixion. And when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Most of you know by now that every Hebrew person within earshot would have instantly known the entire 22nd Psalm because they had a ritual at that time. Parents with their kids would teach their kids scripture. They would, uh, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, they would memorize that. It was sort of like a bedtime prayer with virtually every family in Israel. So when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No Jewish person who heard that would question that he was actually saying, why has God forsaken me? Because they knew the rest of the Psalm. So, it has a very good ending to a very bad situation. Remember, God is always with us, working all things for the good of all people all the time. So here we go. Passion translation of Psalm 22. David wrote this. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Most of us have certainly felt that way at times. King David certainly did. Now, when I was growing up in religious settings, when I went to church as an adult, when I was a pastor, nobody was going to go to church and say, God, wherever you're, you've abandoned me. No, we're going to smile and put on a nice face. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm fine. How about you? Praise the Lord. Isn't everything good? And we're just sometimes we're, <laughs> we're having a terrible, awful, very bad day. King David was very real with God, and I believe God wants us to be as well. Verse 3, 
Yet I know, David said, that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God, enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Our father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted and believed in you, and you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. You didn't disappoint them. But look at me now. I'm like a woeful worm. I want you to remember that word. I don't even look like a man anymore. King David's writing that. He's in a cave, hiding down in the dirt, behind rocks. He said, I've been abused, despised, and scorned by everyone. That was certainly true for King David when he wrote that, hiding in a cave. And in essence, it was true for Jesus, as he must have felt as a human being. Isaiah wrote about that. He prophesied, referring, when I'm talking about the worm thing, he prophesied prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 1.18. He says, come now and let's deliberate over the next steps to take together. Yahweh promises you over and over, though your sins stain you like scarlet, I will whiten them like bright new fallen snow. Even though they are deep red like crimson, they will be made white like wool. Instead of pronouncing judgment to the guilty, Yahweh, in his grace and mercy, offers complete forgiveness. Now, I want to go back to that word worm. The Hebrew word for worm is tola, T-O-L-A, which is also the word for crimson or scarlet. The tola worm was a certain worm in the Middle East that when you crushed it, it bled a crimson color so strong that it was used as dye for garments. Jesus was not saying when he quoted that that he was a despised worm, but he was saying he will bleed as he is crushed by our sins. Brian Simmons, who translated the Passion Translation, says this in his footnote to Isaiah 118. Snow and wool are both naturally white. The Lord will not only deal with our outward sins, but he will cleanse our nature, changing us from the inside out. Grace includes full amnesty. And Brian Simmons says in his footnote to Isaiah 118, he says, the Lord will take care of these things. And he talks about the Tola worm. He said, it's usually attached to a tree. And when its eggs hatch, the larvae crush the parent and eat its crimson body, which leaves a red stain on the tree. That, get this, changes to white three days later. Is that cool or what? <laughs> All right, back to King David. Speaking about his situation when he was hiding and also predicting Jesus' crucifixion, David said, mocked by their jeers, despised with their sneers, all the people poke fun at me, spitting their insults and saying, is this the one who trusted in God? Is this the one who claims God is pleased with him? Now let's see if your God will come to your rescue. We'll just see how much he delights in you. And of course, he's prophesying about that happening to Jesus. Then he says, Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You are the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You've cradled me throughout my days. I've trusted in you and you've always been my God. He's saying, times are hard right now, but I trust you. And 
That's what God wants us to do with it. So verse 11, he says, so don't leave me now. Stay close to me for trouble is all around me and there's no one else to help me. You ever feel like that? Like there's nobody else but God to help you? I do. Verse 12, he says, I'm surrounded by many violent foes. Mighty forces of evil are swirling around me who want to break me to bits to destroy me. Curses pour from their mouths. They're like ravenous, roaring lions tearing their prey. Now I'm completely exhausted. I'm spent. Every joint of my body has been pulled apart. My courage has vanished and my inward parts have melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched. I'm dry as a bone. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And now you've left me in the dust for dead. Well, King David felt like that. And Jesus, I think, felt like that in his humanness as a human being too. And there are times when we can feel like that. We can feel like we're going through such hard times. We're just worn out. We're exhausted. We're spent. We have no courage. I mean, I, I was there last week when I was telling you about that. And, you know, what I went through was, of course, wasn't anything like David or Jesus went through or, or what many of you have gone through. But it was hard for me at the time. I was, I was worn out with the, the three deaths and, and trying to cancel people. And I didn't feel good because of the COVID shot. And then I, you know, spent all that time on a computer uh, online trying to get somebody who's I couldn't understand what they were saying to fix my computer and never fixed it. Now, again, I'm fine now. I'm not asking for any sympathy at all. I just want you to know, I felt that, you know, <laughs> I felt exhausted and spent and I didn't have much courage. All right. Now, the next part of Psalm 22 is obviously a prediction of Jesus' crucifixion. We know it's a prediction because what he's going on to talk about hadn't been invented by the cruel Romans yet. There's no uh, recording in history of it ever being used until several hundred years later. He says, I'm so thirsty and parched. I just read that. He said, they have pierced my hands and my feet like a pack of wild dogs. They tear at me, swirling around me with their hatred. They gather around me like lions to pin my hands and feet. All my bones stick out. Look at how they all gloat over me and stare. With the toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. See, Jesus, fully human, experienced much worse than any of us ever have. Verse 19, Lord, my God, please don't stay far away, for you are my only might and strength. Won't you come quickly to my rescue? Give me back my life. Save me from this violent death. Save my precious one and only life from the power of these demons. Save me from all the power of the enemy, from this roaring lion raging against me and the power of his dark horde. Up to this point, everything has been about the darkest time ever in David's life and in Jesus' life and in human history. Then what David writes takes a turn. And in part, I believe this is to show us a man after David's own heart, Jesus fully God. It's okay to pour out your heart to God when stuff happens because stuff happens. Tell God how you really feel. He's a big guy. He's a man. He can take it. You're not going to, you don't have to say, oh God, hey, everything's fine. Praise God. When you're, <laughs> when everything is not fine, here's where it takes a turn. Verse 22, he says, I will praise your name before all my brothers and my people. As my people gather together, I will praise you in their midst. Lovers of Yahweh, praise him. Let all the true seed of Jacob glorify him with your praises. Stand in awe of him, all you princely people, the offspring of Israel. For he has not 
despised my cries of deep despair. He's my first responder to my sufferings. And he didn't look the other way when I was in pain. He was there all the time listening to the song of the afflicted. Do you see that? Contrary to what David thought when he started writing the psalm, he then realized what Jesus, of course, knew all along when he just quoted the first verse. God never abandoned him. God never forsook him. God never left him. He was never separate from God. He was with him, listening to him pour out his heart as a human being. Verse 25, God, you're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who hold you in awe among the congregation of your people. I will invite the poor and the broken, and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise, and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. From the four corners of the earth, all the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Did you get that? All the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Remember what? Remember who we were before we forgot who we were. Return to our Genesis. Every nation will come and worship him. For the Lord is king of all who takes charge of all the nations. There they are. They're worshiping. The wealthy of this world will feast and fellowship with him right along with the humble of heart, bowing down to the dust, forsaking their own souls. They will all come and worship this worthy king. His spiritual seed, that's us, shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the sovereign Lord. That's us. His generation yet to be born will glorify him. That's us. Man, and they will all declare, and all means all, it is finished. Wow, you ain't heard nothing yet. Then David writes this famous six-verse psalm. It's much shorter. While he's still hiding, and his son and the whole army of Israel are still looking for him to kill him. Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Best friend. And I was thinking about that this week as my friend, who we were best friends for several years before he moved to Hawaii. How could he possibly do that, leave me here in Kansas and go to Hawaii? Best friend. The Lord is my best friend. That's somebody who you can go to in your times of deepest need and who will love you and not judge you, who will love you unconditionally, who won't forsake you, who won't kick you when you're down, who will comfort you and encourage you and won't say, ah, yeah, well, you brought this on yourself or you should have done that or you ought to do this. No, just be there and listen. Put his arm around you, give you a hug. Both Steve McVeigh and Bob Goff taught this week in what I read and heard that many times we want and unfortunately expect human best friends, could be a spouse, another relative, to give us that kind of love. Well, that would be nice, but actually, they can't. Even our best friends can't give us what we really need. And we just set ourselves up for just disappointment, as Steve teaches, when we expect human loved ones to give us what only Jesus, God, can give us. Only Jesus can truly be a best friend. 
and he is. Here we go, verse 2 of uh, 23rd Psalm. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. David's writing is still hiding out in the cave. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Oh, boy. He says, verse 4, he says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment and there is no punishment from perfect love. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I ever fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. That's where I got the phrase that I gave at the beginning of this with my three friends. Return to God's glorious presence. Return where we came from to be forever with him. All right. Where they are is actually where we are right now already. And when we take our last breath here, we will return to them in spirit form and be face to face with Jesus, Papa and Grace, who have always known us, always loved us, always included us, always lavished their grace on us. And we will all be in their glorious presence forever. God is an ever present help in our times of trouble. Hey, thanks for being with me. I uh, hope my phone alarm didn't bother you too much at the end of this. I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.